chapter 17. And um, I'm well aware that Matthew brought a wonderful message the other Wednesday night, or Sunday night. Uh, and um, uh, it, it, was, it was just a great message. But while he was preaching that message, uh, boy, I saw something just God just really helped me with. And um, basically just talked it up to something God wanted me to learn. And uh, I'm glad I've not arrived. I'm glad I'm still teachable. Sometimes God has to hit me in the head to get me to listen, but I'm glad that I'm teachable. I'm glad I'm not learned. I'm glad there's not something else I can learn from His Word. As a matter of fact, when you get to thinking that you know a lot about His Word, then He'll pull the goalpost goal and run 100 yards down the field, and you got to start all over. You really don't know nothing. And I'm thankful for that. It's an inexhaustible book. And uh, so tonight, Exodus chapter number 17 and verse number 8. Let's stand together one more time. All right. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And when it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let it, his hand let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now I want you to go move towards the verse fourteen. Then the Lord said unto Moses. Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out of the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord, that the Lord will have war with Amalek, from generation to generation. With the help of God tonight, I want to preach on the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord. I started to tell you, boy, I had a good message the day God changed the preacher's plan, but I decided not against it. And uh, no, I, I thank God for the message uh, Matthew preached. It was a great message. I thank God. For the errands and the herd. And uh, my, what a great message it was. How timely. But tonight, I saw something else. And I realized that the battle's the Lord's. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Uh, James, how about you praying? Amen. You be seated. This chapter unfolds itself with the children of Israel 
traveling in the wilderness. And they pitch in Rephidim. And the Bible says, and there was no water. And um, almost immediately the people began to chide with Moses, saying, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses. And said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do to this people? They'd be almost ready to stone me. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, they've just been a short time in the journey. And they run to a place called Rephidim, and they, there's no water. And uh, the boy, the people immediately turned uh, against Moses and said, Man, uh, you brought us back here to, to, to kill us and, and to kill all of our, our cattle and our children. Then Moses goes to God and said, God, what, what are you doing? Uh, the, the people are going to kill me. They will stone me if you don't do something. And so the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel and thy rod wherewith thou smost the river, take in thine hand. And behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and I shall smite the rock, and I shall come out water out, out that the people may drink. Now, so God tells him that you take the elders and his rod of God. I meant to get my rod in the back. I wonder how that would be anyway. Uh, I want to, if he's in the prayer room, go hunt that for me, would you? And uh, he said, uh, you go and smite the rock and, and the water will come out. And um, then the Bible says, then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. The Amalekites attacked the people because of the water. The greatest commodity in the wilderness was water. Now water in the Bible is running water is the top of the Holy Spirit of God. Standing water is the top of the Word of God. But the greatest commodity there was in the wilderness was water. Here is the children of Israel. And God said, Moses, you take and you, you strike that rock. And water came out. And boy, they had uh, water to drink. And almost immediately, Amalek came and attacked the children of Israel. Now, what makes, it, what makes this significant? And this is what I saw while Matthew was preaching. This was the first attack Israel ever faced the very first one and I got to thinking why were they what's significant about this being this attack the Bible tells us and we know it was was monumental later on the Bible says that they would fight this enemy from generation to to generation. 
That means their generation fought a battle. That means our generation is fighting this battle. So then I got to thinking, well, what in the world? What did Amalek represent? Why was that such a battle to fight? Well, the Amalek, if you will, was the type, the Amalekites was the type of the flesh. Now I thank God, I thank God, I thank God every day that I got saved by the grace of God. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that uh, Jesus, by His marvelous grace, met a little 11-year-old boy at Ikers Grove Baptist Church and saved his unworthy soul. But you got to understand something. This flesh is not saved. And I thought it interesting. The very first battle the children of Israel would have to fight was with Amalek and the Amalekites. Isn't it amazing? The very first battle that you and I have to fight when we trust Jesus as our Savior is this stinking, rotten, sinful flesh. I'd like to ask you a question. Is there anybody here that does not battle your flesh? You've conquered it. You've defeated it. You got a handle on it. It don't give you any problems. And if someone would raise their hand up, a preacher, I, 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 mine gives me no problem. Then I'd want to talk to you about lying. I'd want to talk to you about the, uh, the day somebody pulled out in front of you. I, want, I, I, I like my car. I really do. I, I, and I don't make no apologies for it. And uh, somebody's told me that it's, that's a young man's car. That's right. That's right. The reason I like it. And uh, I made no apologies. But there's one thing that I absolutely hate about it. If I come up behind somebody and they're going a little fast... They all but stop in the middle of the road. I mean, it's a, then a, the, our uh, copier man, he has one just like mine, except his one's got a Hemi. And, uh, but uh, he said, you know, he said, I love my charger. He said, I love that thing. But he said, the only problem I have with him, if I pull in behind somebody, they almost all but stop. In the road. I got behind somebody and then run 35 all the way to church. Now I know it's a 35 mile zone, but nobody runs 35. And so anyway, uh, we find that this being, that there's a battle with this flesh. And we all fight him. The Bible, and, the, and it's amazing. The Amalekites, when they attacked uh, Deuteronomy says, tells us this. Remember what Amalek did unto thee, by the way, when ye come up forth out of Egypt. How he met ye, by the way, and smote the hind part um, of thee, even all they that were feeble behind thee when thou wast vain and weary and feared not God. The Amalekites didn't hit the, the strength of it. They slipped around behind back. All the the children, the women and the children and the aged would, would fall in behind and the, and the Amalekites would attack them from behind 
killing off the weak. And, and you know what that tells me? It tells me that, that well, there's times that when this old flesh is weak, and uh, we, 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 we find Amalek attacking that old flesh, demanding its way and wanting its way. Man, what a battle that it is. Some of you that have terminal diseases and terminal sicknesses and, and it's going to be long term. Uh, in a lot of ways, you fight more of a battle than someone that's physically strong. But we all fight a battle with this flesh. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. This flesh will be a battle till Jesus comes. You win victory over it today, then tomorrow it rises its ugly head. No wonder Paul said, I got to kill the old man must die daily, daily. Because every single day we fight a battle with this flesh. It's amazing, it's amazing how we fight them. The Bible says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would do. Can we be honest? How many of you have felt the nudge of God to witnessed to someone, then all of a sudden, that old flesh rises up with fear. I was down to car wash uh, this morning, and that's the reason it rained. And uh, uh, they was fishing my car up, and, and uh, there's two or three working on it, there with nobody there. And uh, I should have told me some. Anyway, there was nobody that was them. They was all working. Well, the Holy Ghost of God nudged my heart. I said, man, they, what were they thinking? You know, uh, uh, will they, they get mad? Or, or will they think I'm crazy? Or, or they think I'm fanatic? And so, as they got done, I said, listen, come here. I always, I come down here where you work. I like you to come where I work. And I love this. The young man said, Well, that's good preacher. I never would have thought of saying that. <laughs> and I give him all the track. And I got a chance to talk to him. And I got in the car and I recognize, you know, this will flesh, it will lie you. It will lie you. And so there's the battle for it. So that you, oh, Paul said it this way, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. How many times do we find we know what to do? We know it's right. We know we ought to read the Bible. But boy, I tell you, what's the truth? That recliner's awful comfortable. We know we ought to pray. But you know, uh, something else comes. We know what to do. But there's constantly a battle. 
I thought it was interesting. The Amalekites never wanted Israel's God. They just wanted Israel's blessing. You hear what I said? We, we live in a society. People will say, yeah, yeah, I, I believe in God. I got a message on the devil's faith. The Bible says the devils believe in God and tremble. Right? I believe in God. You say, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? Well, I hope so. I, I think so. Uh, maybe so. Won't you come to church? Oh, no, no. I, I stay good. Here's what they want. They want God to bless them. They want to go to heaven when they die. But God, we don't want you to rule and reign over us. That's really it. Matter of fact, that's really it for all of us, even here tonight. We believe there's a God. We believe He's a good God. We believe He blesses. And I want His blessing. But now, I don't want Him to tell me what to do. Elijah's in 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 a prayer room and he he got a job a few months back and and I was talking to him and he um, he when he starts to go he stopped I said how'd you like it how'd you like it he said I didn't like him telling me what to do and I said son you're in for a rude awakening there's not any job we're not going to tell you what to do then I thought that's what we want we want all of God's blessings. We want God to answer our prayer. We want God to, to give us when we have a need. But oh, no, 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 God. Uh, I'll make my own decisions. I'll run my own life. I don't want you to rule and reign over me. And so that's the battle. So how do we defeat it? Well, we defeat it. And it's, the answer's right here. First of all, the means. Then Amalek and, and then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with, now notice this, if you're not marked, Jordan Market, the rod of God in mine hand. This is the first mention of Joshua in the Bible. And interesting. The great leader, the first time he's mentioned, he's mentioned in a battle. And matter of fact, he's one of the greatest military leaders ever was. And Moses said, Now, you take the rod of God in your hand, and I'm going to go up on the mountain, and boy, Matthew preached that so well. But here's why I want you to see this a little bit different. That rod of God represented the power of God. Remember the first time that the rod of God is introduced? The Bible says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Then the Lord said unto him, 
What is in thine hand? And he said, A rod. Now here, it's just a rod. Just an ordinary rod. But it's about to become something else. He said, okay. He said, take that rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And the moment it hit the ground. Now I'm going to show you something I'd never seen or never thought about before. Matter of fact, this, when I've made these, is about the size of a shepherd's rod. When that thing turned to a snake, how big was the snake? The size of the rod. Now, I don't know about you, I I don't like a little snake but I just like a big snake, even worse. And it turned to a snake. Now, I don't know where it tried to crawl away, where it tried to sit there, or, or what it done. And he cast it to the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. I don't know if the snakes are running, but Moses is. And Moses looks, runs from it, and then God said, go and take then he said, cast it to the ground. And Moses, the Lord said to Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. So here's a snake. I don't know if it's moving or not. I don't care whether they're moving or not. Snakes, only good snakes, a dead snake. And he picks it up and it becomes a rod. Now, from this point on, from this point on, Exodus, and Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. It represented the power of God. Why don't you see this? Many of you are trying to fight your battles in the flesh. And you need, you must have the power of God. As Moses sat up on that hill, his hand raised, the rod of God was raised up. The power of God was priority. The power of God was what they looked to. And when his hands fell, then the hands of flesh. And every one of us, every one of us, Every battle you fight, you're fighting it in the power of God or you're fighting it in the power of the flesh. And then, what do you do when you don't have the fleshly strength to fight it? I I'm, I'm, I probably won't say this when I get the bill. Probably have another stroke. But it is really humbling when you come home and 
thousands and thousands and thousands of times I reached for a door handle and reached for a door handle and missed it. I looked and thought, somebody took the door handle off. They didn't take the door handle off. I missed it. And that went on for two or, or three weeks. And when all of a sudden, you ain't got the fleshly strength. All of us think we're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. <laughs> we all think we are. But what do you think? What are you going to do when you don't have the fleshly strength? Now, we find, and so we need to remember, solid rock Baptist church. And the moment we, we lose sight of this, we're done. We're, I mean, we'll be like the other churches in the area. We're done. When we lose sight that we must build it on the power of God. The power of God to add to it. The power of God to save. The power of God to feel the needs of it. The power of God to answer prayer. The power of God. The moment we decide we don't need that power, we start trying to figure and finagle and try to work it out and try to do everything we can do, then we'll find it will fail and Amalek will win every time. And every time you try to fight in this flesh, then I guarantee you the flesh will win out over God doing right. You know why some at home tonight, not all of them, some of them are sick, I understand that. Uh, some of our senior people and driving long distance, I don't want them driving tonight. I'm glad they're home. I understand that. But you know why some are? Because they're fighting a battle. They're fighting a battle. And they're fighting it in the flesh. And they're trying to figure. Uh, if, 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 we, if we go over, over here, if, if we go over here to this church, if, if we do this, if we do that, if we do this, we're doing everything in the flesh. And all the time, Satan is destroying their family. Destroying their children. All because they're looking to try to figure it out. What to do. They're second guessing everything you do. They're doubting everything you do. Because they're doing it in the power of the flesh. Instead of the power of God. Now, not only do we see the power of God. But remember, this represents the purpose of God. You know what God's showing us here? You know what God's showing us? That we win. Do you hear what I said? We win. I don't care. I don't care what you play, what you do, what you watch. Everybody likes to be on the winning side. That's right. I, I mean, somebody say, well, you're going to be a good sportsman. Yeah, I'm a good sportsman. I hate losing. I'm a good sport about hating losing. Everybody likes being on the winning side. Do you know what God is showing us here? That if we trust in the power of God 
then we can be victorious and we can win every battle. Here's interesting. You got to fight, use it today's battle, tomorrow's battle, next month's battle, whatever battle. I was thinking about the ministries in our church. And uh, we, we got good structure and we make good plans and we, we try to structure them to where they, they don't collapse or somebody's out sick or something happens. But oh, I was reminded again today, we must have the power of God on the bus ministry and patch club and Sunday school and the choir. Without it, it, it just won't work. Not for any length of time. God wants us to be victorious. Lord, you know what's killing us? Listen, tell you what's killing us. We're, we're battling with the flesh and we're getting beat. And we're just beat down and depressed and sad. And someone say, yeah, I'm a Christian. They walk away. Man, it's a killing them. I hope I get something for you to die and walk around with a chin and our shorts and we're like, like it's killing us and, and, and everything is so hard and, and, and I got to do this and I got to go to church and I got to, you know why? It's all done in the power of the flesh. But when it's done in the power of God, God gives you strength. And you walk around and realize regardless of what, regardless of the battle, he's in charge. The battle's the Lord. Hate my battle. Hate my battle. Now I've been tempted to want to fight some battles. I've been tempted. I, I must confess. I spent too many days in battles. That I shouldn't have fought. But oh, what a great, great, great day. Now I realize, and boy, consist, consistently, no one wants to say my brain's working faster and get my mouth and tongue to get it together. But it's coming back. And uh, consistently, over and over, just, just last week, uh, I, I, I had a battle years ago. And, uh, boy, I, I, I went back here in Sunday school class and having a full-blown, I mean, first class, invited nobody, pity party, cake and everything. But all oh, I left that room that day promising God that I would never allow myself to get there again. And this past week, I seen it creeping back in. You know, I was reminded, oh, no, 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 no. That ain't my battle. That ain't my battle. God, that's your battle. And I put in his hands. How many of you know this? How many of you, now we can be honest, stay in a whole lot of searing, and we, we come down the hall and say, God, I tell you, I lay it down right here, and I'm going to leave it. Only to find 
before the week's out, you picked thing, or else it jumped off the altar and jumped on your back. And the truth of the matter is, to tell you the truth, I brought things to the altar, laid them down, got up, walked back. God, I don't know if you can handle that the way I think you ought to. I don't, I, I don't, don't know if I, you know, whatever it takes. So I go back, pick it up, and I'll wait with it for another month. Then when I get plumb slapped one out, I put it on there and say, God, it's yours. See, there's this constant battle, but God's given us the power and a purpose. The Bible says, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see the method. Now here's what's interesting. Here, it's a rod. It's called the rod of God. In Psalms 21.8, it was His hand. Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Psalms 89.13, Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Hand was the top of the power of God. In Judges 20, 27, the ark and the children of Israel inquired of the Lord for the day, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. It's a little rectangular box, about two foot, and they carried staves, and that box represented the power of God. For the New Testament church, the power of God is in a person. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world. Before Pentecost, the power of God was illustrated with a rod, His hand, an ark. But oh, blessed be His name. The day of Pentecost, the power of God came to dwell in every born again believer. Well, preacher, why is that important? We got no excuse for not winning the battle. Went that went none. Now, unless you're just not saved. Those that know not Christ do not have this power. You hear me? Religion won't give it to you. There's a whole lot of religion going to drive people off in hell. Good works won't give it. Money can't buy it. Boy, hallelujah. The day I got saved, I was broke as a convict. I mean broke. Broke as a convict. Amazed we were poor growing up. We didn't... And here's the bad, we didn't have the sense to know it. Church membership 
won't buy it. The only thing that can get it is to be saved by the marvelous grace of God. The blood applied. He comes to abide in the heart of every born again believer. I asked you earlier, how many is glad you're saved? I, 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 well, I'll tell you what's true. I know it's, it's true. You're by half sleep. It's okay. How many is glad you're saved? Amen. How many is glad victory is already there? You know, um, If I'm, if you had the most power, powerfulest man in the world as your bodyguard, you wouldn't fear nothing. You do it because he's your body. We've got the greatest power given to born again believers, and every single one of us, young people, I don't give you no excuse. You can do right. And by the way, there's some doing right. Not all of them turn out bad. But if you're saved, you got within you. And, and, and listen, please, I'm not, don't boo me out now. We need to quit making excuses when people don't behave right. They say they're saved. Then they, all, then they got the means to behave right. And if they don't behave right, when I ask them, are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you're saved? Because we have within us the means for victory. Then last of all, the motivation. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for memorial in the book and rehearse it in the ears. Now listen to him when to rehearse it to. Joshua. Joshua. He tells Joshua... Now, Joshua, there's going to come a day that I'm going to take the Amalekites out. And you know what he's telling us? There's going to be a day that we are victorious over this flesh, either by grave or by rapture. Either way, the Bible says, on grave, where's our victory? This mortal must put on immortality. This corruption on incorruption. And God's going to change it. And then there'll be a day that this, that this old flesh won't give us any more trouble. And so he tells us how to maintain that victory. And here tonight, something I need to remind all of us. He said, build an altar. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nasi. It means this. Nasi means something lifted up or seen afar off, a banner. And Jehovah Nasi means the Lord is our banner. In Bible days, and they would they would take a flag and it was called the banner, and they run that flag up, and it told everybody that come come up on the scene what they were and what they stood for, and and uh, who they were. And the Lord said, "Build an altar, 
Then run a flag up and said, The Lord is my banner. We're going to, run a, we're going to build an altar and run a flag up and say, The Lord is my help. He's fighting my battles. He's in charge. He's running the show. He's going to defeat you. He is the conqueror. So we need to realize that the banner or flag was the rallying point. And he said, build an altar. Let me say this. We're living in a day. I, I'm, it's uncommon. It, it, you just can't hardly comprehend the day that it is. I will tell you this much. I, I, I don't. I'm not going. I don't know the day of the Lord's return and all this. I'm not going to try to. Uh, nobody knows, and they tell you they do know. Uh, watch out! They're selling something. And uh, but we're them today. Um. Just, just this today, just today. Uh. Dear lady, you got a call. And they said they were with IRS and she didn't pay this and going to go to jail. It's a scam. Constantly people trying to scam somebody. It's all a lie. Just, just this week, Stockholm, Sweden, a company began implanting in her, between their finger here a little chip and they, they're lining up they're lining up to get it here's what they said we can just scan our hand and we can it's our time clock and, and it's got all of our medical information but then it's interesting they said and we go to the grocery store and buy and sell buy and sell with it now, you say, is that the mark of the beast? I'm telling you, it's getting ready for all that. Who would imagine? Who could imagine we would ever be discussing men and women's restrooms? Who would ever be, who, who would ever be, be, think we'd ever discuss that kind of stuff? What I'm trying to tell you is this. Every born-again believer, we better have a prayer time. You better, while you burst, I don't care what you're doing, how busy your day is. You better take some time, find your place, and say, God, I'm depending on you for the battle. I trust my old flesh. Paul said, those things I wouldn't do, are the very things I do. And what I should do, those very things I don't do. Oh, wretched man! Perhaps the greatest Christian apart from the Lord. And he realized he struggled with the flesh. You ought to have a prayer life. You ought to have a prayer Then life believe the Almighty. We will only trust the Lord over our flesh. I'm going to challenge you. 
Is there anything? Anything? God asked you for. He wouldn't give him. I didn't say he would. But I'd be interested. He'd be interested. If God was so clear and asked us for anything, what if he asked you for your house? And you knew it was God. I'm not saying some crazy. I'm saying you knew it was God. What if he asked you for your money? Oh, better yet. What if he asked you for you? He wants you. I will instruct thee and teach thee in a way which thou shalt go. And I will guide thee with mine eye. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. One evening an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that goes on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves. One is evil. It is anger, angry, envious, sorrowful, regretful, greedy, arrogant, self-centered, guilty, and resentful, and lies, and prideful, superior. And the other is God, is joy, peace, love, hope, humility, kindness, benevolence, generosity, truth. The grandson thought about it for a minute and asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one I feed. And how true that is. And every person here, every person here is holding up the rod of God's power. Trusting in the power of God, or you're letting it drop and trusting in the arm of flesh. So, who's winning the battle? Who's winning the battle? If you're losing, why don't you swap? Because truly, the battle's the Lord's. So, I'll stand to your feet.